welcome. You've got mail. Welcome to another edition of Tech Stream. My name is Seth Everett. He is Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group. And we stream, we stream, we stream, we stream. We've already done a podcast on streaming versus cable and the cord cutting battle, but it is growing and growing and growing and growing. And if you're Warner Media right now, you are in undiscovered territory. You might need to discover something. Get it? Yeah, I totally get it. Look, Seth, you know, from day one, the AT&T merger, uh, the, I should say the AT&T acquisition of Warner was doomed. You don't want to be owned by the phone company if you are a content company. Warner Brothers was one of the most talent-friendly studios in the world. Uh, I can say from personal experience, everything we've ever done there over the last 35 years has been nothing but a pleasure. They drive a hard bargain. Can, but once... Can you give an instance, of, for, for people who don't know you very well, give an instance of stuff you've done with Warner Brothers. Well, to be fair and frank, I, <laughs> the... Um, I've been in the television business since it was radio, <laughs> so uh, I've been uh, involved with uh, the television business for a very, very long time, and not to start to do my resume, but uh, I started writing music for television when I was quite young, and uh, I've written uh, quite a bit of music for a lot of syndicated shows and a lot of shows that were produced by Warner Brothers Studios and Disney and so your dealings Dreamworks with them were always very always, pleasant. It was always to, like yeah. you got a project from a Warner Brothers, you were like, yes, no matter what the and, content was. But not just me, anybody that ever worked for these uh, guys back in the day. And by the way, it didn't have to be on the pure content side. I, I've talked to vendors who just really enjoyed, loved, cherished their relationship with the people at Warner Brothers. They were good studio. And when they got bought by the phone company, uh, that was a little weird because they lost a lot of the people with really amazing relationships. And it was, look, the studio business is a relationship business and it's all about people. You, and you can't, so that was one part of the Warner thing that made no sense, no, no sense whatsoever. And within months of the acquisition, that goes back to 2018, within months, some of the most beloved and not so beloved, but very effective executives all left. So they were kind of headless and what took over were phone company people. And what I think is fascinating. I just picture a guy like working on a pole with, with the overalls and the and the belt with all the cables yeah. connected. That's what I'm picturing every time you say that. Well, I don't want to be that nasty, but yep, that's exactly right. And then, <laughs> then this is one of those looks good on paper mergers. It looked good on paper. It really did to the phone company, not to anybody else. Like anyone like me who analyzes the business for a living, it didn't make any sense at all. But the phone people thought it made sense. And... Uh, they had a very misguided understanding at the very beginning. It was clear the strategy that they were espousing that that had to do with data collection, data driven uh, decision making, streaming, first party data, like everything that they were going to do made no sense. Ultimately, I think they bought this content studio, the best television studio, most productive television studio in the world and an incredible movie studio so that they could offer stuff free to AT&T customers to try and keep them, you know, as AT&T customers. And if that if there was a wronger way to think about Warner Brothers, I can't imagine it. I, I can't. 
Well, and it's good to hear you say that because anybody who's listening from my background, if you know anything about my career, I worked with Prince for a year and he had a very public fight with Warner Brothers, but it would have been with anybody. He was upset about the ownership of master recordings. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is ask Taylor Swift. It doesn't matter what company it was. It just happened to be Warner Brothers. That wasn't an indictment of them. Yes, yeah, Seth. When when Prince had his argument, Warner Brothers was one big happy family. They didn't split up till 2004. So the world has changed. Warner Music is a whole other animal now. Warner Brothers, of course, is still the phone company, but soon to be part of Discovery Networks. And that's going to be amazing. You're going to have David Zasloff at the helm. David is really one of the most seasoned professional uh, television executives in the world. He is He's done an amazing job with Discovery, and he is going to do an amazing job with Warner. It's going to, if anybody can bring Warner Brothers back from where it was and put it back where, you know, and, and, and make it bigger than and better than it was before, uh, David Zasloff is the guy. So I'm, I'm very excited that this deal is going down because, to be fair, I, I miss Warner Brothers. I miss what it, what it was, and I'm hoping that under new management that we could see great things from Warner Brothers again. Well, and a couple of examples of where there were questions about Warner Brothers has been around comic books because two things happened. Number one, the DC version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was muddy and no one knew who was running the show. Yeah. No one knew who it, it's not a question of what, you know, people like one movie over another. Not all those movies were awful. Wonder Woman was great. The fact of the matter is, is that there was no Kevin Feige. There was no guy pushing all the buttons and steering it all together. And it just was, well, who's from Warner Brothers? And no one knew. No one knew who that face was. The other example is I thought this was in the works a long time ago. Uh, I have a podcast called The Hall of Justice, and we covered DC cut a bunch of titles and they laid off a bunch of their staff writers about eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, you're getting ready for a sale. And I, it, it was clear that AT&T wasn't in the comic book business. And it was started crazy to me then, because why would you not want to be? Has anyone seen what makes money in entertainment these days? Yeah. I mean, I, I, are you kidding? Did, did Star Wars not prove enough to you? Did, did, did Black Panther not make a billion dollars? So when DC was laying people off, I thought, wait a second there's probably going to be that I did not think it was going to be a giant Warner media conglomerate. I thought it was going to be Warner media gets rid of DC. So interestingly, Warner is half owner of CW network full disclosure. They're clients of ours. Right. Paramount's the other one. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. WB merged to be the same. Right. So it's now it's Viacom CBS and Warner media are the, parent company of CW Network. And the output deal for both, I mean, they've had uh, Black Lightning, The Flash, Supergirl, uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Arrow, Superman, Batwoman. Superman and Lois, yep. They've done an amazing job bringing that to television. And their digital business is spectacularly good too. CW, uh, the app itself, the CW Network app, CW Seed. And then the regular with Hulu. So all their shows are on Hulu now. They've done they've done a really good job. So the the accessibility to the DC comic universe through CW network is pretty good. But the movies have been. Can I can I make fun of myself real quick? Sure. So I'm a completist. I'll tell you real quick. I'm a completist. If I see one thing, I see it all. Uh But but 
if I don't if I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, I have never seen a James Bond movie. That's just an example. But I've seen every episode. Well, stop. Wait, I know, what? I know. What? I know. That's why I went there. I have seen every episode of every CW DC Comics show. I've seen this awful Batwoman season. I've seen Legends hmm. of Tomorrow, where it looks like you need to smoke pot in order to understand it. I've seen all of them. So when you speak of this, I, I understand what you're saying. And you reading off those titles, it was like you were entering my universe. Well, I mean, look, like I said, full disclosure, CW is a client. We love those guys. They're amazing. They have done a really good job, I think, uh, you know, trying to bring the DC Comics, uh, the, the DC comic world, if you will, to the... Uh, the Arrowverse, for lack of a better way to describe it, uh, you know, to the to the fans. But so you haven't really. But you are you like a Freedom Fighters guy? Like you watching that? Are you watching Vixen? Like that's that's not I your saw thing. Vixen. I saw Vixen. What about Constantine? I'm going deep now. I saw Constantine and I really? did a podcast with Matt Ryan. That's and amazing. Matt to Ryan me. and I hung at an airport, and he didn't believe me that I'd seen Constantine. I don't believe you've seen Constantine. I have. Totally. I, so I I I watched I watched it because you know, like I said, I. It's part, it's part of my business, but I, right. I'm very surprised. Seth, you're yeah, making... Matt Ryan's a great dude. Matt Ryan, I'll tell you a quick story about him. He didn't know who Constantine was. I didn't know who Constantine was when the show got made. And when he got hired to be John Constantine, he went to a comic book store and said, give me everything. I need everything on this guy. And actors don't have to do that. Remember, they don't write the lines. Right. So he doesn't have to. He wanted to know everything there was to know about John Constantine and he did the work. And I, I, uh, I always respect people who put that kind of time in. Yeah. That's, and yeah, it's impressive. And you know, look, that, that was on the digital platform that was on the CW seed platform. And yep. uh, that's one of the things well, it that was a canceled NBC show. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I was really proud of that the CW did. They, they really built out Seed and they really built out the fan experience. And it's amazing to me how loyal the DC fans are, I guess, because it's always, um, you know, it's not Marvel. It's like an underdog kind of well, it, it, it used to be. I mean, no, if you think about no. it, Superman and Batman, we're not talking about little little sea level heroes. We're talking no. about the icons. No. The thing that they did, though, that you'll appreciate is they made deals, distribution deals with Netflix for The Flash yeah. and Supergirl and Black Lightning. And that was before HBO Max. So yes. now the Batwoman and Superman and Lois are going direct to HBO Max and bypassing Netflix. What? And I think Netflix has helped Supergirl and The Flash because that exposes them to an audience that you wouldn't know of. If you subscribe to the Hall of Justice podcast, we had Javicia Leslie on. Uh, we've had uh, other uh, Tyler Hecklin, the new Superman. Uh, he's been on the podcast. We've had these guys. And my target is uh, young Grant Gustin. Grant uh -oh. Gustin, he, uh, run, Barry. R run. Uh, he's the best. This kid is fantastic. A kid. He's probably in his 30s. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. We're uh, not. We're, kids are kids a relative term there, right, Seth. Kid we're not. Definitely is. So yeah, this Warner Brothers. Look, the Warner Brothers merger with Discovery is going to be a big deal. I think that the studio will get some autonomy back. I think it's gonna the output. I don't think people probably know this generally. Warner Brothers Studios, from a television perspective, is probably the largest television production company in the world. The movie studio less so. It's obviously a very good movie studio. They but did the, the Big Bang Theory, they do yeah, they, a lot of things that have distribution other places. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, 
what was what is interesting about Warner Brothers and CBS owning the CW is that that's the place that they get to you know output production to. It's a really fascinating business now because, as you know, everybody's got a streaming platform. I'll just put it sure. that way. It's sure. not that the streaming platforms have found that the consumers have decided they love it and everybody's got one, which creates its own set of issues, right? Where is everything? When is everything? What's easy to do? What's hard to do? Where could you find it? Where can't you find it? And then if you are a loyal fan, what does loyal fandom mean? Well, and that, that raises a very interesting question. First of all, when this new Discovery Warner merger thing happens, could we rename HBO Max? That sounds like from a concept, the dumbest name for a streaming service. Your <laughs> Warner Brothers, for God's sakes, WB plus WB, you could call it whatever you want. HBO is one brand. It now, is. it's a big brand. Don't get me wrong. It's Game of Thrones. It's the Sopranos. I understand that. I don't understand how HBO Max, if you spend any amount of time just exploring HBO Max, HBO is barely 20% of it. That's right. And that's weird. It's, it's, it's misbranded. And I think it's hurt their subscribers because I think people say, you know what? I'm not an HBO fan. I don't need that. And if you tell people every DC property, every one of those properties are on HBO Max, no one seems to know. So it's interesting that you bring this up, Seth, because HBO not only is is a premium brand, it was different from every other cable network, period. Um, in the old days, back when there was cable television that people, you know, everybody had when you had 85 million cable homes, you couldn't even be offered HBO till you were already 60 or $80 into your cable bundle. It was a premium service and you right. needed to take all of the lower tier stuff before you were offered that premium bundle. And they weren't anywhere near the largest of the premium networks. I think even at, at their peak, they only had 30 to 32 million subs at, you know, 10, 12 bucks a month or whatever it was. But there was... They didn't need more than that. And they're, the most important thing to HBO at the time was to get you never to churn out, never to unsubscribe. They just needed to keep you there. So all they ever really needed at HBO was a Sopranos, one great, amazing show that you were hooked on, yep. that you weren't going to go anywhere, right? You're just- I'd, Sex in the City, Six yeah, Feet Under. Uh, you name they, it. All of them. All of them. And they did- Entour uh, No, yeah, Entourage. Yeah, and under under Richard Pleffler, they they- they just killed it. I mean, they just had every, they, they fulfilled that all of the time. But HBO Max, to your point, is not HBO. It's not a premium service, although they tried to price it that way. It was certainly at least double the price that it should have been when it came out. They've lowered the price since it came out. Uh, you it is, get it if you have HBO. If you have yeah, HBO, you get HBO Max. It's, it's probably misnamed. Then again, uh, I could argue Paramount Plus doesn't mean anything either. I don't know what Paramount Plus is. is been like three weeks and i unsubscribed and I, really? I, not to protest it was there's i had a bundle from apple tv where oh, yeah. it was mm -hmm. showtime and uh uh shameless ended and billions hasn't restarted yet right and so there's i'm not saying i'll never see showtime again it's just right now for the month of may there's nothing on showtime and maybe in june but if they announce billions is coming in july i'll resubscribe it's so interesting because that's the beauty of cord cutting versus it is a little bit. Yeah, because look, Star Trek, right? I, I'm yep. I don't know why I watch Discovery. I, I don't. 
I, I keep saying to myself, I'm, this is the last one I'm ever watching. I'm never watching Discovery. Star, uh, uh, Star Trek Star Discovery Trek. or Discovery Star, Plus? No, no, Star, Star Trek Discovery. Okay. I, you know, I, I've, I've watched every episode, but I, and I, every time I see one, I say, yep, this is the last one. They've jumped the shark. It's over. This is ridiculous. And I always go back, but they haven't made a new one in a while. And Picard, I really felt the same way. I mean, that was, I was like every, I was like, oh, really? No, nah, I'm not doing oh, this. Oh, really? And then I would like go, yeah, but it's, this was kind of cool. And I, but I would always, but I swore it off, but they haven't made either, you know, neither of those are, have been back yet. So I haven't literally opened up Paramount Plus since right. Picard final episode was available. And Which was over a year ago. But by the way, part of I that ha- is COVID. Co- let's, yeah, let's under, no, that's right. Let's that's give right. productions time. You know, I'm right. not ripping billions for not being on. No, 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 no. Of course, uh, it's the same thing with Paramount Plus. I, you know, the, the Discovery, and and then I haven't opened Disney Plus since Mandalorian has gone away. Like, no, no. You didn't do Wandavision or Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I I did a little <sighs> bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I found Falcon and Winter Soldier on the verge. Of unwatchable, but that's just me. Wow! I just How didn't far like did it. you get? How far did you get in that? I'm gonna say four. Only... Wait a second. Four Sp- episodes. Can, can we do spoilers here? Spoilers. Yeah. You saw John Walker kill that person with Captain America's shield. That was unwatchable. Eh. Wow. I don't care about the characters. That's I don't know. Hardcore Marvel. Yeah. Right there. I'm sorry. I just didn't. They haven't done a job. They haven't done a good job making me care about this character set. And I know it's just mindless entertainment. But I, I take my comics very seriously. I always have. Well, um, it's based on a comic book that I thought was one of the greatest books of the last 25 years it's called Truth, Red, White and Black. And it has to do with the story of Isaiah Bradley, who, after Steve Rogers, in, mm-hmm. the, in the comic book history, after Steve Rogers was frozen on ice for 70 years. Yep. Uh, they tried to recreate the super soldier serum and they tested it on black people and only one survived. And it's a, the story of Isaiah Bradley. And they incorporated into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Isaiah Bradley story. Yes. And I thought... In my wildest dreams, if you had told me, give me five comic books to be adapted into some that would that wasn't going to be it. Right. Yeah, No, I I would have I would have bet millions that you never would have done that. But to have truth, red, white and black into Falcon Winter Soldier. Kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll give you that one. I, I will give you that one. Um, it, it, I don't know that it makes me care that much more about the characters than I did before, but you know, I may go give it another sure. look now that you've now that you've given me some some canonic history. Plays the uh, older uh, Isaiah. Uh-huh. Carl yeah. Lumley, who by the way was he's in Supergirl. Uh huh. And he was in he was the Martian Manhunter in uh, the Justice League cartoon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I so anyway, back to streaming. So you know. We get a choice now, right? You get to sort of unsubscribe and resubscribe. I wonder how many people are actually doing that, or for convenience, or they just keep paying I think and don't open do the apps. I think it's your pay, pay level. I think I think it's your financial level. If you are a paycheck to paycheck person, people. I heard somebody unsubscribed to a Patreon podcast, which was three dollars a month. Wow! He said I lost my job, and I had to make cuts. And your podcast, even though I love it wasn't worth the three dollars well I, use it you know elsewhere. what and That's, i respect the hell yeah, out of that uh, person of course, of course. but i think the people who don't do it are like the people who don't realize uh the subscribes on amazon you know you subscribe to 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 cookies every every month and they just come every month you're not looking at your credit card statement going wait a second what was that 6.99 purchase it was the cookies you yeah know, they're, they're, it, it goes by your pay level and i think people who just have it 
it's the same people who buy the uh, the out of town market sports networks like MLB.tv or you know the, the NBA extra innings and they don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, look, this is going to come down at some point to convenience, mm -hmm. and no one ever really canceled their cable bill until they started cutting the cord for real, right? A lot of people tested the waters and said, you know what, I I can. I can't do this. Uh, several of, uh, anecdotally, several of my friends have asked me on more than uh, uh, more than one occasion what I what I personally have at home, and when I say, "Well, I'm 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 Verizon, but not I'm not FiOS per se. I don't I don't have their TV package. I'm using YouTube TV. I have Hulu Plus Live in certain." places and I've, I've uh, used that uh, YouTube TV and then everything else is just straight up a la carte apps right so got you have a list Disney Apple yep. Paramount Plus you know the whole the whole nine yards to be to be honest though if you look at the cable bill versus the streaming bill plus the internet it, I don't think there's any savings of any kind there's just no oh, I disagree you think there's savings yeah well the, the way I did it so uh, full disclosure, uh, we don't pay for our internet because we work from home and it our uh, my wife's company pays for it. Okay, so, well, that so changes take, the game a little no, bit. Hold on, hold yeah. on. I, no, I understand that. Well, I went direct TV. So direct TV, because when I bought my house, I used to work for baseball and they had this thing for baseball employees. You can get MLB extra innings installed. So mm -hmm. I have direct TV. I decided to cut the cord and my direct TV bill when I cut it was $215. If you add Hulu Live, uh, Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO Max, all those apps combined, it's about $120. Yeah, and then you it's add- It's like a $90 difference. Right, because you're not paying for internet. But if you were paying for internet, if you were paying Correct. those $75 to $120 for internet, depending on the kind of Correct. internet you had, you'd, you'd be the same. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Is it's that when push, you push, but to have those yeah. apps, but the, the, the point is people have Netflix and they have cable. Mm -hmm. That's the defeatist. It's, <laughs> yeah. you're, if you're if you're paying for cable on top of all the apps, that makes then no you're sense. just getting you have 170 channels and you flip your couch potato. Yeah, that that doesn't that's no one uses that much television. Honestly, right. no one uses that much TV. But I look, find I'm a better television watcher since cutting the cord. I well, you are a more focused TV watcher. I'll tell I you go that. on. I have my lists. I know what I want to see. Mm -hmm. I press play and, the, and, and I go. I never sit there with a remote flipping. No, you're you're a more focused TV watcher. We all are. I mean, everybody, you're going with intentionality. You know, there's watching TV is a sociology, not a technology. Seth, you 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 go and oh, Shelly, what are you going to go do? I'm going to watch TV. What are you going to watch? I don't know. I'll find something when I get there. And you take a, a bag yeah, of salty snacks, an adult frosty beverage, a couch, and a remote control. That's the act of watching television. That's not how you go to your streaming apps. You go to your streaming apps. I'm going to watch you you know, when, uh, this now, and I'm turning it on. And so um, the only thing I don't like about streaming, and this is just me, the only thing I don't like about it is one thing and one thing only. I never have trouble finding something to personally watch. If I'm by myself, I can definitely amuse myself with the streaming apps. But if my wife is around and any one of my children is around and the, and the goal is to watch something as a family, the... 40 minutes we spend deciding what to watch. Everyone's exhausted. Nobody's like, I'm so going to bed. I, it's like, because you can't, but there is no way to just decide. Like it, in the old days, if you're channel surfing, you just throw something on. It's like, oh, you know, we'll find something real quick or this is on HBO. But now 
everybody's got like, oh, well, that only has X number in Rotten Tomatoes. Well, but this only has this. And the conversations about that take up <laughs> half well, well, the evening. What's changed in our house, it's very interesting that you say that because it's very different in our house. What we have is we kind of have two lists. So, for example, I'll run to Star Wars, The Bad Batch. But my wife is with me. It's Breeders, that show with um, uh-huh, yep. it's, a, it's a great show. It's from FX and uh, Martin Freeman. And the idea when we're on a Saturday night, we're going to do a family movie. Mm-hmm. What we'll do is we'll start talking about it at dinner and one of us will grab our phones and start looking at the apps to see what's new and what's exciting so that when we get to the TV, we have our plan. Yeah. That's I recommend just, uh, Yes Day uh, with Jennifer Garner on Netflix. We have never been lucky with that approach because once we <laughs> once we get into it, it's somebody will say, oh, but it only has X on Rotten Tomatoes or, oh, now. Nah, yeah, my uh, kids you know, don't know Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you have younger, you have younger kids. It's just it's, it's kind of a funnier look. It's just kind of a funnier behavior that's that's literally changed and practically overnight in the context of the age of the industry. You know, you, you acted one way for 40, 40 years of television and then all of a sudden, uh, and then boom, now you have a completely new behavior, which I actually find much more pleasant. I, I, love it. I really prefer streaming over the, the, the cut cord experience. I, I really like better than I ever imagined I would. And I think everybody who, who is in that world is probably feeling good about it. There are some apps that are harder to use than others. And I think that's all going to work itself out over time. Well, wh- okay. So, so I have a couple of uh, uh, hot topic questions about that. Um, number one, HBO max refuses to have a setting that stops an episode from playing at the end of it. It automatically auto plays into the next episode. Yep. Hulu, Netflix, Disney plus have all given you an option. Yes. You want to just continue or do you want to stop? I am completely against the continuous stream because I fall asleep. <laughs> you watch yeah. something at night. I'll, we'll put on uh, friends yep. to go to sleep. And then you wake up at six in the morning and the, the, the entire season has played. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's, it's, it's dumb. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have value to some people. I'm not saying like my way is the highway, but give me the option. Yeah. HBO Max, greatest content, worst app. No, no, that's not true. Peacock, the worst app. Peacock has a little bit of work to do. Wow. They they do. They have a Would you pay money for anything that Peacock has? Well, I think that the short answer is you don't have to. You don't have to. It's <laughs> so, not worth it. Um, but look, you know, it's early days. And one of the things that we don't have yet is a good understanding of meta services. We don't know... There's no channel guide per se, and it's unclear. I mean, you just said it yourself. You'll someone will take out their phone and look and see what's on where. And there are a few. There are a few places you can go to get decent lists, right? Of of what's new, and what's what's debuting. But we're lacking, and maybe for the, all for the good, I might add, we're lacking tune-in promos, right? Nobody's really doing tune-in promos in a way that's cross-channel, so it's harder to know exactly what's on where and and the conventions of the apps are not clear. The other thing that's interesting, I had a really funny conversation with one of my cousins the other day, called me up out of the blue and said, we're getting our, our new apartment is, is being wired right now. And we want to understand whether we should have Apple TV or Roku or, or nothing or like what, and Great I'm like, question. and I, I was, I was asking about what their TV viewing habits are. And 
you know, I said, look, the Sony set you're thinking about, the Samsung set you're thinking about, these smart TVs, if you're buying all new televisions for your new apartment, and they are, I said, you don't really need a box. Like, the, you know, it's like there's nothing on the box you can't get on the set. So Maybe I'm a couple of years older than that, but I find that Apple TV and Roku are so superior to streaming connection, smart TVs lad in my what I've found. So it depends what vintage, and this is the problem that they're always going to have. They'll only build the current computer and possibly one generation old into a television. Right. And then you're not going to get rid of your TV every two years, but the processor speed every 12 to 18 months doubles, exactly. Moore's Law, more or less. So by the time your TV's four years old, anything that's sitting as a sidecar, a fire stick, chrome, like anything will will kick its butt because the set just can't keep up. And the, the picture is still fine, right? It's not that the picture tech, if you got a 4K set that you're getting right now with a 240 hertz refresh rate, that's going to last you for a while. But the processor that's in there may be, maybe it has a useful life of two to three years, maybe. And that that really depends on what what comes next. Certainly nobody needs an 8K anything right now. There's there's no reason to be even thinking about it unless your set is over 75 inches. And even then you've got really no reason to do it. But um, yeah, the, the reason that you don't need a sidecar you you don't need a sidecar the day you buy it is probably because if you're buying a mo if you bought the latest set today probably everything's going to work mm, just fine but in the 18 months from now you're going to say well you know get me a sidecar get me roku right. get me a fire stick get me something i'm a big believer in apple tv which is funny because if you've been listening to this podcast i hate max and i hate max with a fiery passion sorry but but uh apple tv the interface the connectivity compared to the iphone uh the streaming quality, these Apple TVs, we have three of them in our house mm -hmm. and, and they're so small that we have four TVs and, but we don't watch the fourth TV enough that I grab the Apple TV and I move it down and it takes five seconds. It's literally, it's so easy. I even bought an extra extension cord so I don't have to start playing around with wires. Like I, I think it's you're, so easy to I, use Apple TV. So I think everybody gets into the operating system. They're into, um, we, for years were Apple TV everywhere. Uh, I got a, a fire stick from mm -hmm. Amazon for a TV and uh, that we were gonna retire and we decided to throw that on there because it was like $35 or something to put yep. that on there. They're, all right, Amazon has all kinds of incentives. And especially it was, the holidays. yeah, it was amazing. And so now everywhere, there is still an Apple TV in my living room, but it's subservient. Interesting to the fire sticks, which are on every TV in my world. Cause it's, they're inexpensive and they have everything. Plus for those of you who are uh, like to hack it, because it's a forked Android environment, there are third party app stores that allow you to do all kinds of fun stuff with those fire sticks. You cannot do with an Apple TV or a Roku box. So for those who are interested in, in, um, playing games, the games to be played happen in a fire TV world. We could do that on another episode. There's a lot of crazy stuff that you can do with the app downloader in a fire TV environment. It, 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 the, all of them, again, we go into the services. Last time we did it, it was, it was streaming versus cable. This time it's which streams and what streams. Do you think that these apps are watch each other? Cause that's the other question I've always had. Uh, there are some that are easier than others. And all I ask is, 
the people who are designing these apps, don't they subscribe to the other services? Hmm. They've seen how those are done. It is amazing to me how the goal to be different is, is so awkward. Whereas I don't mind if you homogenize, make everything look like Netflix. Does anybody have a massive issue with how Netflix works? So everybody has their own take on this. What's lacking is what we have in the phone world and in the computer world. Those are mature technology businesses and the UX, the user experience and the UI, the user interface have evolved over time and there are conventions. Now it's not, it's not uh, only that there's a little X on the upper right-hand side of every window in Windows and a little square to you know, expand it in a little dash to minimize it. And that on an Apple, I mean, Mac OS, there are three dots on the left, you know, so it's more than that, but it's even the way that the words are laid out, right? So we know what file means as a menu. We know what edit means as a window, uh, as, as a menu. We know what view, and you know what you're to expect underneath those particular headings in a menu bar, but none of that yet exists in the streaming world. We don't know what, when you focus on something, should it, you know, should there be a, a border around it? Should that border be white or yellow? How long should it persist? What's the ballistics on the joystick? If you go to the right, should it, should it continue or should it slow down? Should it speed up? Is it like one button tap per focus? No one has the answers to that yet because we just haven't we don't, there's not enough experience, but what I will tell you is that there is an entire world of engineers and creatives that are working. Can we get them on this show? <laughs> we can, if you'd like, I mean, we work with them all the time and the UX and UI it's the most explored. And to be fair, I'll tell you what, when, if you get an app now, when you download an app for your phone and it's less so on Apple than it is on uh, Android, but even if you were to get some uh, an application for your computer, be it Windows or Mac, if it's non-standard, you immediately know, oh man, this came out of Asia. This came out, this is obviously not real. Like you can, even from the installer, you can tell that somebody's either conforming or not conforming to the conventions on the computer that you understand. That's not true yet in the streaming business. So got to give it a little time. You know, it's only a couple of years old and people are really jumping on it now. So there's a lot more money in it now than there's ever been. And people are starting to demonstrate the way they behave, what they like the best and all the data is being captured. And I think you'll see over time, Seth, this, this will, to your point, it will homogenize to maybe to the place where it won't matter what streaming service you're on, the conventions of navigation will sort of find their way. We, I mean, look, we all know that the eyeglass is where you search, right? The, the magnifying glass is where you search. P people understand some of these icons. This is so much more complex than anyone gives it credit for because you don't think about it till you get annoyed by it. It's like when it doesn't work the way you want, it becomes remarkable. The stuff that does work, you don't think about. Like you, I, I've never heard anyone say to me, oh, wow, Shelly, the UX on that app is amazing. I, that I've never heard. What I hear is, you know, this is so annoying. I can't, you know, you can't do this. You can't well, do that. <laughs> HBO Max doesn't want you to see the credits. I feel bad for the people that put the shows together because they want you not to see the credits. Yeah. Yeah. That, by the way, that comes out of the straight TV business. Remember in the old days before channel they would surfing. put a commercial on. Well, there before. Be coming up next week with the credits underneath. Yeah, that's right. We went to what's known as the cold open and the hot switch in the late 80s when 
when all of a sudden electronic remotes allowed people to channel surf, right? So we had a cold open on the half hour and that they always wanted to run a promo. They ran the credits, but they were also running preview so that you wouldn't tune out so that the credits would run with the preview. By the way, Writers Guild, Screen Actors Guild all went crazy over that because they wanted their actors to have billing is important for actors. That's how how (laughs) actors, you know, it's a stock and trade. Yeah. And by the way, that's what also made front screen credit the only thing you cared about. Got to give me give me credit seven you know, three minutes in after the first commercial break right. and you're George start- Lucas's famous fight with Fox. Uh-huh. Because he didn't want to put, you know, Mark Hamill's name in the first two minutes. He wanted that crawl, that that John Williams theme and that crawl. And he let let the whole thing go uh, as we uh, put a bow on this one. Can I put you on the spot? Sure. All Always. right. We're not allowed to pause. Mm-hmm. What is one show? that you found on one of these streaming services that if you were just a regular television watcher, you never would have seen in your wildest dreams. Dark. The show on Netflix? On Netflix. It, Tell yeah. me. I just, first of all, it blew my mind. I, I don't, I, you know, it's just one of those things, Netflix, and you got to give uh, Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos at Netflix credit. They have done a really nice job with that interface, putting previews of things they think and of the recommendations up and i looked at this thing i was like what's the hmm and i first episode like instantly hooked it was amazing so yeah that there's a look we're in the platinum age of television seth i i gotta tell you there's way more amazing video to watch than uh, i'm talking about tv the art form not the platform if you think about tv the art form or video the art form and I, you know what else it's, and, it's a better than golden age and i'll tell you what else i love and and this is something that that I've had a lot of conversations with my friends in the production business about story arcs for television. You know, you mentioned Friends a second ago. That was done in acts. It was a half hour. You could come in anywhere. It always had a cold open. It always had a cold close that was unrelated. There were three acts. It didn't matter. It, it, you, they were independent little episodes. Each one had an exposition. The characters, even though you knew every friend's character, they actually developed every character in every episode. So you always knew who everybody was. 300 episodes will do that, yeah. With a show like Dark, if you miss the first episode, you you got to come back in. By the way, same thing with Game of Thrones. I mean, these are 13-hour, 15-hour. Never seen Game of Thrones. Don't it's, tell me that. No, it's too much. No, If I no. started now, I'd have to, I, it would, I would lose my whole summer. First of all, it's worth losing your summer when I'm, I'm going to at the end of this podcast, you are to turn it on and not get up until it's done. What, it will what's, not be a new tech stream until I've seen all of that. Absolutely not. No, no, definitely not. But no, these are 13 hour movies with a as opposed to having a beginning, middle and ending in a given encapsulated show and everything having a, a re-exposition. Like, I love the writing and I know why my writer friends love to write for streaming uh, series on well, we, Netflix. We talked and, about it the last yeah. time we did this, the shorter, the BBC model of eight really high quality episodes as opposed to 22 half-ass episodes it's totally different yeah and eight hours of one story told right. like it was an eight-hour story right. in that exactly. in that beautiful you know sort of uh, as you as it reveals to you and dark was no exception that was i mean look there's so many great shows i don't want to pull, pull that one out but if you you ask me what show i would never have seen and probably never heard about sure. yeah the first one came to mind uh speaking of netflix the umbrella academy oh uh, fantastic the the man in the high castle on amazon prime Holy moly, that yeah. is great. And from a guilty pleasure standpoint, one thing I found on uh, HBO Max that I never would have watched. You remember uh, Carl, Cartoon Network made all that money with Adult Swim. Yeah. And they 
made adult versions of the, they brought back a bunch of the old Hanna-Barbera characters, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, <laughs> and Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Holy moly, that is some of the, and the episodes are 12 minutes long. Yep. So it's the perfect, like, go to sleep show. Those two shows are hysterical. I'm, and I I'm never, gonna, I, there's not a chance on cable I would have ever seen them. I'm giving you one more. I'm going to say one more show name, and I know it's going to start us into someplace you don't want to go. My favorite show that I have seen on streaming, on actually on anywhere in the last five years. Ready? Ready. The Witcher. Really? Absolutely. From, from the opening scene of the first episode i could not take my eyes off that show that's it is an ozark that's better to to me that 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 look the best written show on on all television in my humble opinion is schtissel and we could talk about why that is some other time it's one of the best written shows i've ever seen it's not in english but it's one of the best written shows i've ever seen but the witcher blew my mind i cannot wait for i hope there are more episodes coming and i cannot wait for it i i like the you know the comic book series or the, the book series but i uh uh wow the show is just blew my mind have you not we could go on and we could forever and ever telling you we could do this the whole show could be just our our tv recommendations which true enough i'm fine with that but anybody who doesn't love the wisher tell me why like you could write you could write me a note and tell me why shelly at shellypalmer.com there's the email address just just bring it i i love this show i i can't wait for more it's like give me more give me more give me more that's what people are saying about TechStream. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Check out the podcast. It's TechStream with Shelly Palmer and Seth Everett, available on all the platforms that you find podcasts. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.